Something Samson looked at it through other people's eyes. Take some time and reflect on what you believe in your soul. Cause that is the key to life. You gotta let the negativity go. Hello and welcome to What the Fox Podcast with your two hosts, Lindsay Fox and Amber Ross. Welcome back, everyone. As a reminder, today's episode is sponsored by TherapyAppointment.com. Therapy Appointment is the practical tool for starting, growing, and managing a practice. If you are a therapist and in search of starting your own practice, please check them out at TherapyAppointment.com. And if you happen to be looking for a therapist near you, you can go there to find one near you as well. And lastly, uh, my coaching business, ConsciousHealers.com, is also sponsoring What the Fox podcast. So uh, in terms of Conscious Healers, that is where I work as an empowerment coach, and I challenge people to learn to love themselves at the risk of disappointing others. And I feel that with that being said, it ties in nicely with what we want to talk about today, which is why is it so damn hard to learn to love ourselves? Why is it so hard, Amber? <laughs> I mean, it's a darn good question. It's like, it's so easy. Well, maybe not easy. It's not easy. It is easier to give compassion and love to other people. It's easier mm. to give other people the benefit of the doubt and to in- assume positive intent. But it's like, we live in our own heads and we are our own worst critics mm. and we are our own worst. I'm, like I 100%, I am my own worst nightmare when it comes to creating stress, creating like anxiety, creating problems that don't exist. Like why do we and, do this? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's interesting to me because um, I'm actually listening to Atlas of the Heart, um, which is Brene Brown, I think. Um, yes. And this week, one of the chapters I was listening to, she mentioned um, that when you're having those feelings and when you're like, you feel um, like you don't love yourself or that you're stressed out with yourself, or you're like in that spot where you are just tearing yourself apart on the inside. um, She proposed this idea to invite the feeling for tea and then respectfully dismiss it. And I like when I tell you I was walking in my neighborhood and when she said that I had such a full body response to that. I was like, really? hell yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. It's just having that gentle curiosity, checking yeah. in with it, acknowledging it and let it go. Like, huh. but like, that's all fine. Well, and good. It's still hard as hell to actually make oh, that yeah. happen. <laughs> well, I think, you know, sadly, the truth is we treat ourselves in the way that we would never treat others. Like we would never treat people the way that we treat ourselves. I I mean, as hard as we are on ourselves, we would never have these kind of unrealistic expectations and bestow them on others. I mean, absolutely not. Yet we fill ourselves with that, that criticism, that sense of doubt, that presence of, you know, saying, you know, and just honestly, I was going to say just like, um, just lashing yourself about how dare you not do this thing yet when you look at what all you're doing it's like well how am i being this unfair like wait a minute why am i being a bully to my own self like yeah there's enough bullies out in the world we don't need to do that in our own brains it's so true it's so true and it's something that um you know we need to learn how to be kind to ourselves and i think that's why whenever i talk about learning to love yourself at the risk of disappointing others that means getting really honest about what you need and how to 
support yourself through setting those boundaries to claim what you need and honoring what you need um, instead of just kind of feeding into what others bait you on with or what you think others want and then holding yourself to this unrealistic platform of exhaustion yeah it's like our own self-constructed prison right like we're Mm -hmm. we're suddenly held accountable and held liable for all of these things that we've constructed in our head that don't make sense um and it's I say all that as somebody who's actively working through this, and we've talked about it in the past, you and I both are working through our own journeys of perfectionism and kind of how that manifests in our day-to-day lives. And and this is a lifelong thing. So as you yeah. say that, I just, I'm saying this in the context of like, this isn't a time limited thing. Like, oh, nope. I have decided in this moment from this point to this point, I am going to work on my, um, my high need for perfection or whatever it is like this is just something i have i've always had the personality i've had since i was a little girl and it developed at that time for a reason and i have been like this forever and so it's just a more more like how can i manage um aspects of who i am and honor aspects of who i am with more grace mm-hmm. and dignity and fairness <laughs> yeah. um, in ways that i haven't before well, and I think that's a really good point because I, uh, when I first started, I was like, oh, this is something we have to fix overnight. And then I'm like, oh, high perfectionism. Like you can't, you can't perfectionism yourself to death here. That's but right. what I've learned over the last few years is kind of to view yeah. it as the same way that I view yoga, right? There's no, um, mm. yoga is a practice. You don't reach yes. perfection. You just learn different ways your body moves. Your body moves differently every day. And I think I view this yeah. the same way. In that my self-talk is going to fluctuate every day, every Mm -hmm. moment, you know, I can, it feels different in my body every day because we are human and we are influenced by the weather and, you know, interactions with other people. So I'm glad that you called that out because it's not like you don't just decide one day to never have another negative thought, right? It's. Yeah, that's not how (laughs) any of this works. No. Honestly, (laughs) if I had a nickel every time I had a client you know, starts out by just saying like, okay, great. What's the plan and how soon can I get this fixed? Like, okay, so we're going to start now. Should I, so in what, like four or six weeks we'll be done. And it's like, um, no, babe, that's, that's not, not really how, that's it not how this works. I mean, I can, I can give you a sales pitch, take your money and then tell you you're going to have a transformation. But, um, you know, in six weeks, whenever you're not where you thought you were going to be because, you know, you're paying for this transformation and you're, you're like, oh, wait, I tried to hurry through this process and I didn't get the return on my investment. Well, the truth is this is, this isn't an hourly payment process. This is like, you have to do the work and you cannot rush your healing journey. (laughs) Your healing journey is lifelong. So you have to generate your own transformation at your pace by which you're ready to receive the messages and receive the the change um, process. I agree. And I think this is where we have to um, reject what society tells us about change, right? So, so many people focus on that end goal. They focus on that end result. They focus on yeah. that instant gratification, that easy button. Um, when the reality is when talking about lifestyle transformation specifically, you really have to embrace the journey and you have to be ready to be in it and find things along the path that you can 
I don't know, reward yourself with or, you know, be able to say, yeah, I did that or I saw a change there. Maybe it's not a huge transformation yet, but it's going to be little by little. And I think putting a six week timestamp or a four week timestamp on it, that's just setting yourself up for um, disappointment. Absolutely. And this actually just reminded me of something that um, I had just posted to Instagram not too long ago. So I'm just going to read it out because I loved it. Um, It's just it's someone that goes by the name of just shower thoughts, which I love because it's like who doesn't have shower thoughts. (laughs) Um, But they said when people talk about traveling to the past, they worry about radically changing the present by doing something small. But barely anyone in the present really thinks that they can radically change the future by doing something small. Yeah, that's such a good point. And it's, um, it's amazing how much we do hyper focus on the past and what was and, you know, speaking of when we're talking about self love and caring for ourselves, you know, our past experiences, generally speaking, um, have led to feelings of low self worth and cause us to kind of feel stuck or deprive us ourselves of that presence of love. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's where I think of a big call out is is worthy of noting is that that is a huge reason why self-love can be so hard is like what are yeah. the messages that we received when we are when we were younger you know what was our foundation about love yes i agree and if we think about the messaging we get from society right if you call out that you did something well or you celebrate something suddenly you're mm. egotistical suddenly you're full of yourself yeah. suddenly you know you're too good for everybody else. And like, we've made it a negative to actually pat ourselves on the back or be excited about something that we did well. And I think that is a huge area that we can make big changes very easily by learning to celebrate those wins and celebrate those victories. And that's I work with the kids, my kids on that every day, because I want them to have a different experience. I want them to be able to celebrate their wins. And I love, I love when they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I just did this thing and I'm really excited about it. And I want to share it with you because for me, I'm like, yes, like you rock, you're cool. You did the thing. Right. And I want more of that voice internally too. Of course. I mean, our internal dialogue drives, uh, you know, drives everything yeah (laughs) it drives um, the life yeah but I I mean I think on top of that while you're saying society doesn't necessarily um support celebrating I would say within that same breath our society at least in the United States we promote self-criticism you know we we promote um this idea of comparison of like you want to fit in, but you want to stand out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really hard balance to establish for yourself. And which is why I think, you know, it can be really hard to love ourselves when we're so busy comparing ourselves or looking for the next best thing and not celebrating or honoring that win in that moment. Yeah. Um, that's a huge piece of it. Cause think about every like how many messages we're inundated with with regard to like um beauty products or medications like pharmaceutical companies like everything is telling you try this or do that to be better uh, yeah, I was gonna say, it's all more. saying hey there's something wrong with you but we have the magic pill or potion to fix right. it it's like wait exactly i was just yeah. sitting here minding my own business and i just like <laughs> yeah. now i feel bad about myself yeah which you know speaking of feeling bad about yourself i mean this is that's another 
element of why it's hard to love yourself is our own mental health condition. Mm -hmm. You know, where is our mental health? Where is your mental health status in this moment of time? You know, how, are you experiencing anxiety or depression? You know, do you have some kind of mental health condition that's also kind of skewing the way that you're able to look at yourself to find yeah. that sense of worthiness to say that you you are allowed to love yourself? Yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of this goes back to I'm going to pull this into an arena that you really enjoy uh, the way our brains actually work. Right. Because our brains are set up to find uh, threats. Our brains are set up to seek out what could kill us ultimately, as in I'm talking threats. about like back in the <laughs> back in the day when we actually had to like hunt and gather for food. Right. Not today. Um, but our brains automatically seek out the negative. And it's so yeah. much easier to accept that negative thought because it's self-preservation. And I'm using air yeah. quotes for those who can't see us on YouTube, but it's not necessarily reality. And I think what we have to remind ourselves of, and this was another um, note from Atlas of the Heart, was that feelings are not facts. Yeah. Yeah. And they are not permanent. <laughs> They are not permanent. I like the emphasis on that because I do agree this idea of uh, feelings are not facts, but then I also do agree that feelings are a factual expression of how you feel of the moment. <laughs> and so I say this just because in the, yeah. in the, in the DBT world, you know, many, many um, recipients of dialectical behavioral therapy will say, well, my feelings are facts. And it's like, okay, well, they are a factual expression of how you feel in this moment of time, but that does not mean that your feelings are rooted in the reality of what is actually at hand here. Uh, yeah. Feelings are valid, but it doesn't mean the thoughts that are driving the feelings are valid. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's definitely an important distinction, but it certainly uh, changes everything. Our thoughts influence absolutely everything around us. It changes our our, the way that we feel and our behavior. So if we are, you know, yes, we have that primal aspect that is, you know, looking at that threat or the perception of threat that could be present. But then if we are having a skewed or distorted way of viewing things and hyper-focusing on that negative, um, we're really putting up a lot of barriers to actually giving ourselves the grace that we are worthy of receiving. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I mean, it's hard. Like we say all this and it's easy to call it out. It's easy to say the things that are causing a problem. And it's easy to say like, um, I could give you a list of 50 things you could do to make it better. But the reality is you still have to do the work, right? You have to yeah. acknowledge the feeling, acknowledge the emotion, figure yeah. out why you're feeling it and then choose to do something about it. And that's yeah. why I liked the like having the empowerment to dismiss the feeling or dismiss the problem or dismiss mm -hmm. whatever it is and just say, Hey, I don't want you here anymore. Like I'm out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm saying like, and the way I um, kind of like to compare it to is like uh, riding a wave, like a wave of emotions, thinking about surfing mm. your emotions of just kind of ride your surfboard, but you know, your surfboard. So, you know, like you're on the wave, but eventually that wave is going to hit the shoreline. And yeah. so you know, you're not, you're going to be not going to be on that big wave of emotion, riding that huge emotion forever. It's temporary. You're going to, the wave is going to crash at the shoreline. You're going to be okay. You're not going to drown. Just stay on your, your surfboard. You'll be good. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like really making sure you don't get yourself sucked underwater and, and getting so fixated in the emotion 
that you're unable to kind of have that presence of mind. And that's where our prefrontal cortex comes in. That's our decision-making and our reason and emotional reasoning. Like, um, it, you know, if we're letting our amygdala kind of hijack, which of course that's that primal aspect with, with threat, it all of a sudden our, our ability to reason and make sense of things just flies out the window. Yeah. This can become absolutely. really irrational very, very quickly. But that, um, I agree that self-reflection and introspection is huge when it comes to figuring out, okay, I realize I'm having trouble with this, but now what? Yeah. Um, and that's why you can't ever say like, Hey, this is going to be like, there's a book by Lewis Hayes, for example, who, or, um, uh, that, that, uh, what's it called? 21 days to heal your life or something like that. I what? <laughs> and I, 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 have, I have the book or, um, a mirror work or heal your life. It's one of her books and don't okay. get me wrong. She has, she has great material, but, um, it's like just seeing the cover of the book. It's like 21 days to heal your life. Really? On, I can <laughs> fix all this in 21 days. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. It's like a lifetime of problems here. All you need is three weeks. You're all set. Oh, I love that. Um, if only, if only, if only, Apparently we're so easy. Yeah. Well, so I, I mean, want... we're all, we're all primed for next day delivery or two day shipping. Why wouldn't we fix our lives in 21 days? I mean, really? It's... I know. Why can't that be two days? <laughs> <laughs> Why can't that be two days? Right. Oh Come my to goodness. my master class and you'll be all set guys. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I love this. I have this wonderful book called meditations for women who do too much mm. because boy, is that, is that us or is that us? <laughs> uh, so, uh, I, I happen to love one of their meditations on love and I'd like to read it because it's yeah. really honing in on what we're talking about. It's a couple paragraphs. So just stay with me for a second. Okay. So it says, um, we all have an infinite capacity for loving. Sometimes we get confused about loving and we start thinking that we only have so much to go around. We start thinking in zero sum terms. We believe that we only have so much love. And if we give some away, we have that much less. We start parceling out our love. Like we pay the bills at the end of the month. We meet all of our love obligations and try to keep a little bit in savings just in case of an emergency. Controlled love is not loving. Obligatory love is not loving. Love is something that flows out of our deep sense of loving ourselves. It is not possible to love another if we don't know how to love ourselves when we love ourselves there is no limit to the amount of love we can share but loving can never be manufactured because we should need to or want to get something in return love is an energy that is shared because we have it loving the people i know allows me to know the people i love mm, i love that it's such a good reminder that it's a renewable resource, right? But that you have to actually refill your cup. You have to replenish yeah. your self-love so that you can love others. Um, Which and I think it's, go ahead. Oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry. When you mentioned the, the filling your cup thing, it just was making me think of prior episodes where we've talked about, you know, why, why is it that we have to deplete our cup in order to refill it? Why is it, why isn't it our new norm to just, fill our cup, keep it filled, and then give love from a space of overflow rather mm -hmm. than depletion, that the obligation that we were that it was referencing in the reading. Yeah, I love the abundance mindset. And it's something 
while you were reading that, I was thinking about something we do here in the house. Um, and it started when my children were very young and it started in kind of a strange way of, um, talking about, um, using up all of their kisses or using up all of their hugs. So like when grandparents would come to visit, it was very much like, I'm going to get all the sugar. I'm going to get all the, you know, in a fun way, Mm -hmm. right. In that loving, um, happy way. So then when grandparents would leave, we would talk about, okay, we need to replenish our hugs and replenish our kisses and do things, you know, that, um, fill our cups and that have that, um, that refill effect, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we've continued with the kids and something that has turned into this self-love conversation for, you know, a four and a six-year-old to say, what makes you feel happy? What makes you feel strong? What makes you feel smart? What makes you feel loved? And just kind of identifying things we can do every single day to keep that not only flowing outward to the people around them, but to keep it flowing back to them. And I think as adults, we can do the same thing. And it's not all, I'm going to say this, and it's an unpopular opinion, but it's not all bubble baths and candles and shopping sprees and whatever. Those things are relevant, but it is doing the hard work, identifying what's going on and finding a way forward is an act of self-compassion and is an act of self-care and self-love. It's one that's maybe not bright and shiny and fun, um, but it definitely pays dividends, right? It, It does. And I also think, you know, tying back to just our own culture here, we talk about in the pursuit of happiness and all things whenever it comes to the United States and our constitution, mm-hmm. right? I mean, just we, we talk about the pursuit of happiness, but what does that actually look like? Um, and, and who defines what that looks like? Definitely not our government, but no, no, <laughs> definitely not our government there. But I mean, I think something that we have to look at is like, you know, some of those barriers, it is our, it is our guilt. It is our self-criticism. It is our personal, you know, levels of resentment. That is what stops us in our tracks and, yep. and keeps us from being able to have that sense of permission to ourselves, uh, like giving ourselves permission. And I find that I'm kind of like on repeat with certain conversations with a, with a lot of my, my clients during the beginning stages, because it is like, they need to hear it a hundred different ways, the same message, a hundred different ways to kind of get it to finally click of like, Oh, that's what self-compassion looks like because it's never been role modeled. They've never had permission. They've never given themselves permission, nor have they ever been told that it's okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's important. You have to give yourself that permission. I don't think that relying on other people to give that to you is necessarily good long term. I think that yeah, it's um, not sustainable. It's not sustainable because people that's come and go, idea. right? Like- right. That's, <laughs> that's the purpose of of doing the empowerment work that I do because yeah. it's about teaching you how can you advocate for yourself? How can you empower yourself so that you're not relying on anyone else? How can you learn to love yourself at the risk of disappointing the people around you so that you give yourself that permission? It's yeah. hard as hell. <laughs> yeah. I it's, In my mind, I'm hearing you say that and I'm like, man, yes, exactly. And then right behind that, I'm like, whoo. That is where, that's where the work is. And that's the stuff yes. I get excited about that. You get excited about that because that's where change happens. It's never going to be easy. It's that uphill climb of little by little. 
It's a lonely place, girl. Yeah. And I think this is a huge part of healing and the healing journey and learning to love yourself that a lot of people do not talk about is that it is a lonely place. Yeah. It is a lonely place because so many people, you'll notice the higher and more elevated you get in your healing journey. And the more you start making progress, the more people start falling off. Yep. All of a sudden, lifelong friends, family members, people you've had in your life forever, people who have benefited out of your toxic traits and habits, they start to fall off the map. They're not there yep. anymore. They start to see that you're going into a different direction. They don't want any part of that. And all of a sudden, it, it's it's a rude awakening of like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, it's yay, I'm healing. And <laughs> <laughs> like, B, it's like, oh, but this isn't as glorified as the memes make it look. It's actually. Oh, really my gosh. <laughs> yes. I love I love when social media glorifies healing from any situation or like the journey and making it seem like it's this Hollywood thing when you get to the end of it. You're like, yeah. oh man, that's not it. Like it's like, hard. No. And we talked about this um, in previous episodes, right? Like healing is a grief process. Healing, it, definitely boundary setting, all of these things, they are going to create uncomfortable emotions and feelings. Yeah. They're going to create tension in relationships. They're yeah. going to also open new doors, open new relationships, open new mm -hmm. opportunities. But you kind of have to get through the weeds and acknowledge that the weeds are a part of the process and just appreciate that that's like pruning happens and keep going. Because I think yeah. oftentimes we can see that and we're, we're coached to think that um, good things should be easy. Good things should feel good. You know, moving in the right mm -hmm. direction should be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns when yeah. in reality... It's very much like walking through a haunted forest sometimes. Like it's scary, yeah. it's uncomfortable, it's hard. Yeah. Um, it and is I just, not a mm -mm. not a great <laughs> feeling. I like that you said that that good, you know, we're taught that good things are supposed to feel good. It's like, uh, not all the time. Not whenever not in the context the of a healing journey, not not so much. You know, that the long lasting effects feels great. I mean, it feels yes. amazing. But I, you know, when you're really in the thick of the work, oh my gosh, it is so painful. And I it's like, you know, nope, I will not give that a five out of five star review on Amazon. <laughs> I do not want to go back. Unsubscribe. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, yeah, it feels I mean, it, it's rough. And that's I mean, honest to goodness, that's why it's like, all right, well, you say you're willing to do the work, but are you like, are you because you're going to be challenged? And if you're ready, let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, well, and you're going to be tested and your beliefs about situations, your approach to situations, because we're our comfort zones are comfortable, right? They mm -hmm. feel normal. They feel expected, even if they're hard and yeah. traumatizing and scary. We know what to expect. Verse. Well, this is why, yes, staying in a, <laughs> at a job you don't like, staying unhappily married or in a relationship that you know is no longer serving you. I yeah. mean, I've got, I've got friends and clients alike right now who they know they're not happy. They, they know that, that they're at the stage of feeling content with their lack of contentment. I mean, Which it's is like bonkers, like, oh. It's bonkers, but I've been there and yes. it's such a different space whenever you're in it. Cause you're just like, holy shit. The fear of the unknown is way scarier than, you know, like it's the devil, you know, versus the devil. You don't, it's like, oh, I don't want to take that leap. But the truth is, is 
that leap, that is the hardest part. Once yeah. you jump, it's like everything, everything else is going to fall into place. You just have to give yourself that push. I don't, have you ever gone skydiving? No. Well, mm -mm. I've done indoor skydiving, not like out of a legitimate plane. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, well, a fun fact, I used to enjoy skydiving. <laughs> I did not know this. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, I, that's funny. So I used to enjoy skydiving. I, I was involved with someone who used to be a skydive instructor, like part-time during the summers and stuff like that. Cool. And we used to go skydiving together, but, um, I feel like it's, it's sort of like when you're standing at that, the ledge there and you're, you're just about to jump, you're looking down, you can see very clearly 20 to 30,000 feet below you. And you're like, oh shit, this looks like it's going to be really scary. And I don't want to do it. But the moment, it, I swear, it's just like that jump off the ledge right there. That is the hardest part where you're like sweating. You've got the anxiety. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like the scariest thing. But it it's sounds like, terrible. You know, the, mo the moment you go through free, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't surprise me. To I love that. you. That I love adrenaline. Terrible. <laughs> but you are an adrenaline I, junkie. I, I can be. I certainly was more so in my younger years pre-healing, which P.S. that yeah. is a sign of needing to be healed <laughs> yep. um, for sure. That that addiction to chaos and crazy. Holy shit. That is real. Um, but that free fall is is honestly one of the most peaceful and best times of the skydiving experience. It's just taking that leap that is so hard. And I feel yeah. like our healing journey is so similar in that sense, where it's like after you let go and you stop trying to swim upstream against the current, everything else will fall into place if you allow it to. Yeah. I agree. I'm not going to jump out of a plane anytime soon, but yes, <laughs> it's okay. Those days are done for me. I don't do it either. Yeah. No, I, have, I can definitely see that though. And it's, um, it's a good reflection point to think about on our journeys. And, um, it's also a good reminder to see that you can push past those feelings. You can keep going because while feelings are indicators and they are maybe like little red flags and alerts for us, um, that is an alert for us to check in with ourselves, not necessarily to yeah. stop. And I think a lot of times we read into that as, oh, this got hard. This got un uncomfortable or, mm -hmm. you know, it's not working. So it must not be the right thing. When in fact, that alert is just to say, pause, breathe yeah. and keep going. Right. That's right. Feel the fear and do it anyway. You've got yes. this. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And that keeps coming up a lot in our personal conversations. So mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that reserve that reserve uh shoot is in your backpack for a reason, man. It'll come out. You'll be okay. The universe has got your back. It's okay. Yep. <laughs> it's just having faith. I mean, that part is hard as hell whenever you gotta you gotta believe in something you can't necessarily see. That getting comfortable with uncertainty is uh one of the hardest things you'll ever do in life. Yeah, but it's also the work that has to be done because the most we don't have control over every situation. Um, and if we try to play in yeah. spaces where we can control all the outcomes, first of all, that's real boring. And second of all, it's not going to work out long term. <laughs> I'm going to remember you said that, P.S. Y'all heard that? Y'all listeners heard that? Amber just said trying to control the outcomes is real boring. She's a project manager, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I am a project manager, but what I said was trying to control all of the outcomes. And if you all only the sit in situations where you have complete control, that's very boring. There's a time and a place, friend. <laughs> Amen. Ain't that the truth? That is absolutely oh. spot on. 
Yeah. It's, it's balance. It's moderation. It's understanding mm-hmm. yourself and your interactions and what your yeah. life needs. Absolutely. Um, too often we work in, um, avoiding the gray area and everything is yes or no this or that. And I think yeah, we've talked about it before. Thinking. Yeah. But the power of, and is just completely life-changing. It doesn't have to be all one way or the other. No. Um, and you can even say both and. Yeah. <laughs> both and or neither. Neither yeah. is always an option. <laughs> and you're allowed to change your mind. Don't forget yeah. that, folks. I think that's a huge piece too. And Amber and I were just kind of like chatting about this before this recording because we were talking about like, oh, what episode are we going to air next week? And how is this going to look? And what did we plan for? And where are we not? It's just like, and and honestly, I just like pause for a second. I'm like, you know what? We get to change our mind. We get to decide. <laughs> hey, we're the ones. We that don't make have the to decisions. do. <laughs> we don't have to do anything. Like this. This is this is our gig. Like we can change our yeah. mind if we want to. Newsflash. <laughs> well, and it's such a good reminder because sometimes you know I do get set in my ways, and I'm like, oh well, this is the thing that was written down, or this is the thing that we decided, and I historically have a hard time with the pivot because it's uncomfortable and it's weird and it's the unknown. And that's like, I'm still coaching myself through that day by day and figuring out, um, what life, what I want it to look like, not what it should look like. Right. (laughs) Which is so funny. Just so it's like, so the people who are hearing us understand here as Amber is, uh, being so vulnerable and sharing how she is actively working on how to adjust to change and pivots and the unexpected um on the flip side (laughs) on the flip side i know amber knows where i'm going with this on on the flip side i personally have been trying to do the opposite and embrace a little bit more of amber's lifestyle so earlier this week, well, don't I even blame said to- me. You can no, like, no, just this isn't blame. <laughs> no, no, I said your lifestyle, your lifestyle. Yes. I more don't want your lifestyle, more but you've got more. Yeah. yeah, it's so not my jam. And so, likewise, like I can't stand planning. Amber loves to plan. She's trying to learn how to go with the flow with not planning. And personally, on the flip side, I'm trying to learn to to adjust and to adopt more aspects of my lifestyle that mirrors aspects of Amber's lifestyle, which to me is like the most anxiety provoking thing in the world. (laughs) I love that we are so similar in a lot of ways and so radically different in Uh like really, really key areas of life. Um, And I think all I can say to our listeners is freaking buckle up because 2023 is going to be a wild ride. It's going to be, <laughs> we're going to be learning a lot. We're going to be growing a lot. And I Girl, know we'll be already, a lot of that. Yeah. I feel like already this year has been like mind blowing for me. And like, and we haven't, we haven't even talked about so much stuff, frankly. And here it is like, we're two months into the year and I'm, st- and I'm just like, holy cow, I can't believe how much has happened already in two months. Like it's just, it's too much to wrap my head around. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Well, and on the flip side of that, because I have, I'm, I'm calling it unscheduling this year. Oh my gosh. Um, There's a name. There's an, (laughs) I'm calling it unscheduling. Yes. Because in, um, previous years, and this has been, this has been a multi-year journey for me to unschedule my life. I am the type of person who literally has every hour accounted for the old 
Y'all, like my chest my gets calendar tight. Was... Every time she talks about this, my chest gets so tight. Okay, when she do talks some deep breathing because I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Um, <sighs> like color coded calendar, like all of it. If you can imagine a type A person, project manager, like all of the tools, everything is in place, right? So over the last two to three years, I've tried to work to change some of that and build in flexibility and make my schedule look different. So where you say the first two months of the year have had so many changes and so many learning opportunities and so many, <laughs> like all of these things, the first two months of the year for me, I've been like, mm, not really. It feels very light and very airy and very mm -hmm. like not in a negative way. I'm like, wow, I don't feel like my schedule has been jam packed. I don't feel stressed about those things. I'm like, this is a very different position to be in in February uh, compared yeah. to previous years. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, again, as we talk about the world of comparison, there is no comparison. I, like, we can't, <laughs> like my life changes compared to your life changes and your calendar and my shit. Very different. Oh my gosh. They could not be more opposite if they tried. Um, but yes, I, I definitely agree. There's certainly need for it. And like, I guess that's, what's interesting in terms of business and the way that I operate business-wise and with my client side of things, there's absolutely structure and routine within that yeah. space. But in terms of other aspects of my personal life, I think that's just it, is that there's there's other parts of my life that have to be so um, planned and detail-oriented yeah. that whenever it comes to the rest of the stuff, I just love to be free. Like, I just love to just be like, whew, okay, I get to just do my thing and I'll figure it out whenever I get there. <laughs> I love that for you. Yeah. That scares the crap out of me. Um, so oh. it's, it's good. There's different strokes for different good folks balance. and everybody. Yeah. It's, you have to find what works for you. And I think that's part of self-love is understanding yourself, understanding your needs and being able to speak up to say, Hey, I need yeah. X, Y, Z. How yeah. do we make that happen? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, how does this work for us, especially if you're in, you know, if you have a partner, if you have folks that depend on you, whatever that looks like for you. Um, but it goes back to boundary setting and loving yourself enough to be able to vocalize your boundaries and vocalize your needs and vocalize your feelings, because sometimes it's hard to talk about something we're feeling, especially if we know that it's something that maybe is not realistic or is not real or is not um yeah. Meaning if you are anxious about something like Lindsay and I have talked about many times and some very recently where my um, scheduling and my perfectionistic tendencies got the better of me and I had too much going on and I reacted poorly in a situation, right? And honoring one, my ability to vocalize my feelings, vocalize what I'm saying, and also in the second hand understand, okay, we can, we can have an impact on this. We can change this. Yeah. We can, we can invite that feeling and dismiss that feeling. Yes. Invite um, it for tea and say, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and say, peace out girl scout. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I say all that to say like, you I have to be a real human. Early 2000s. <laughs> we say it a lot in this house, friend. Um, stick around. I'm full of them. All of I call them momisms. Um, or, they, you know, definitely. Yeah. But Sorry. you're fine. At any rate, I say perfection is not the goal. It's just progress. So the fact that you had a feeling, you reacted to a situation poorly, you whatever, you didn't love yourself in a moment, you had a moment of vulnerability or a moment of negative self-talk, 
that doesn't mean you're failing. It means you are human and you can acknowledge that situation with grace. You can give yourself love and you can move on to the next situation because this is not, we talked about it earlier in this episode, right? It's not um, a finite thing. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be completely healed of negative self-talk or um, no, girl. Any but of you those know things. what? <laughs> As I'm hearing you say that, there's a whole other topic here, which we're we're not going there right now. But is this topic of self forgiveness? Ooh, I mean, if, yeah. If we really, really want to get into, you know, I, you know, people can hear the glorified nature of yes, you need to learn to love yourself, but at its core and the true essence of self love, in my eyes, is self forgiveness. It's really coming to peace with, you know, in terms of learning to trust yourself again mm -hmm. or others again, or your intuition, it's really at its essence, all about learning to forgive yourself for so many of the things that you're being so hard on yourself about. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like that's the gateway to, to things, but yes, in terms of like simple little, um, things to kind of kick off your journey, I would definitely say, you know, journaling is a good place to start. Um, creating that quiet time for yourself or me time for yourself, even if it's five minutes, if you're a busy, busy mama or caregiver or person and just, you know, having your favorite song on in the shower, I don't know, taking a shower, brushing your teeth. Hey, I mean, like we're talking basics because yes. sometimes that's yeah. like, honestly, like sometimes life is just too overwhelming and it's just like the most basic things that can be your, your starting point. Absolutely. And I mean, self-care doesn't have to look like it does for everyone else for you. So take the time yeah. that you need that makes sense and create a routine that works for you instead of trying to make yourself work for whatever routine that uh, the web's, what is it? Cosmo used to be the one that was always like 10 ways that you can do better about this thing. I'm like, <laughs> but none of those resonate with me. Create your own friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works. Whatever that looks like, whether you're schedule or not, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. All this right, is fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, talking at the we same both, time per usual. <laughs> we, we both did, yeah, it's okay. I was just going to say thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. We just wanted to touch on a little bit of this topic with regard to self-love being that we are wrapping up the month of love. We would vote that every day should be about self-love. So with that, tune in next Tuesday where you can hear us chat more about all the things because your mental health matters. So until next time, y'all, see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. And we all say everything is going to be just fine. It's going to fall into place. The sun is going to set on your terrible day.